0: The Lord began to speak to me some weeks ago as I was praying about this year, and the word I got was higher dimensions. This is a year of higher dimensions. I don't know what you're experiencing right now, but there's something higher in God that you can walk in. Amen? Amen. Amen. And I want to preach this message this morning looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 1. We're going to be using 2 Corinthians chapter 1 father i thank you for your word i thank you for the power of your word and the word of your power i thank you god that right now you are activating something in our hearts i thank you god for the exciting things that are happening this year i thank you father god for revelation knowledge that abounds i pray god that this message will enter into our spirit man and that nothing that is released right now will fall to the ground in jesus mighty name amen now this is Paul's second letter to the Corinthians. And Paul felt that certain things that he had stated in his first letter, the message didn't get across. How many of you sometimes feel that way? When you say something to someone and then you have to resend the email again because you feel like, was I not communicating properly, right? Now in, in, the, in his day, these guys didn't have email, did they? It wasn't like, let me just send a quick thing And if I've forgotten, then later on this afternoon, I'll send another email or I'll see these guys on Sunday. It wasn't like that. So we understand that when he would craft a letter, the things that he stated on the letter were things that he really wanted to say. Have you noticed how many of you are from the days of snail mail? How many of you are from the days of actually writing out letters? I know some people who still do that. Do you remember Mpendulo? Mpendulo likes sending postcards. There's something nice about postcards. He sent me from Cape Town, he sent me a postcard, okay, with certain things. But there's power when you actually write something down. And you tend to take more care, don't you? Remember those days when you'd say, let me write my grandmother a letter. Okay, we're dating ourselves now, right? But let me write a letter. You take care because it's snail mail. So we need to take this very seriously that is covered in this first chapter. I'm just going to be dealing with the first chapter of 2 Corinthians. Verse 1 says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, this is him introducing himself, by the will of God. Let's stop right there. He says, this is from Paul, an apostle of God, by the will of God. How many of you know that you can have an apostle by the will of man? You have some people who become something because of the will of someone. You have business people today who will say, I'm a business person by the will of my father. You have some people who will say, I became a pastor by the will of the people. The people said, we need a pastor in our community. And I became that. And then they have problems. But Paul here says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. Point number one. Point number one, make sure you are what you are by the will of God. Make sure you are what you are by the will of God. When you're in God's will, that's where God's resources are. God's will will never take you where his grace cannot sustain you. God's will is the safest place you can ever be. You can become something by your own will or the will of others. Whatever you're doing in 2018, my question to you is, is it God's will for you or is it pressure from other people? You can become something because of peer pressure. You can become something because of popular demand. Politicians often become something because they say, it's what the people want, this is what the people want. Which people? They're people who burn out because they were doing things by their own will. As we prepare for 2018, we must do things by the will of God, otherwise we burn out. You see, when you are in God's will, there's grace to enable you. What is grace? Divine enablement to do what you need to do. Amen? Do you have the grace for it, or has the grace lifted? And when you see things happening in your life, and you see that uh, the grace has lifted, then you need to seek God and figure out what you should be doing. Amen? I heard someone say recently how the devil stops Christians from doing God's will. How does the devil stop you from achieving your dreams? just gives you another one. And you find yourself spread so thin that you're ineffective in your primary purpose. When you are in God's will, you are guaranteed God's resources. How many of you know it's almost like God budgets for his will? God says, you know what? This is what I want Lysias to do in this life. And as he declares his purpose for Lysias, he says, and these are the resources I'm going to give Lysias to do what I've called him to do, including angelic assistance. Amen? Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God. Why does he say by the will of God? There were certain people who were self-proclaimed apostles. There were certain people who were calling themselves certain things, but not by the will of God, by the will of man. We even see it in the Old Testament when it spoke about the false prophets. And what would it say about the false prophets? It would say, these guys, they just tell people what they want to hear. Prophets by the will of man. Are you hearing me this morning? Take time to figure out what you are by his will. You see God is a personal God. Some people think, "Oh yeah, I believe in God. I believe in God, but he has nothing to do with them." You know that mindset that says, "No, God just created the world and he left it alone. He abandoned." It. No, God is very personal. God knows how many strands of hair you have on your head. Despite your hairstyle, God knows what's really there. Despite your weave, God knows in terms of the real hair that's there, how many. The stuff we can't see. Even if you've got a bald head, there's still a bit of hair there. Amen? So God knows. God is personal. You know, when someone is a person or a personality, it means they have emotions, it means they have desire, it means they have strategy, it means they have wishes. So when God looks at you, he's not this robotic figure who doesn't care. He actually has a will for you. He actually has desire for you. He has things he desires concerning your life. Amen? He has a strategy. He has detail. And what's powerful is the way God creates, very powerful, The Bible tells us in Psalms 139, I was fearfully and wonderfully made. That word fearful or fearfully means I was carefully made. You know why God was very careful as he made you? Because God comes up with your purpose first, then he creates you. Amen? God comes up with your purpose first, and he says, I want someone to do this in the nations. I want someone who's got this understanding. Therefore, let me carefully design mpo, So that he can do the will of God according to a purpose God has already defined. Amen? Amen. My question to you is this year as you go into 2018 Are you becoming something by the will of God or are you becoming something by the will of man? Are you becoming something by the will of God or are you becoming something by peer pressure? are you becoming something by the will of god or are you becoming something by the will of your children a lot of times when people are parenting children their whole life is a summation of their choices and a lot of times their choices are based on desire to be liked and popular with their kids are you hearing me this morning there's a poet and a critic called samuel johnson And he said, almost every man wastes part of his life in attempts to display qualities he does does not possess. Almost every man wastes part of his life in attempts to display qualities he does not possess. Are you wasting your life in an attempt to display qualities that you don't possess? Just think about it. Point number two, embrace the relational assets that God has given you. Embrace the relational assets that God has given you. It's interesting because Paul says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother. And Timothy, our brother. So it was a joint letter, wasn't it? Question, how many of you who are married can write a letter? A joint letter with your spouse where you are in agreement. How many of you can do that? It's very difficult, isn't it, for a lot of people? Because you have to, no, but say it like this. No, but we want to say it like this. So here's the thing. Are you in intimate relationship with people that you can speak with one voice? Paul the Apostle wrote 2 Corinthians together with Timothy. He mentions Timothy at the top here. Timothy was not an arbitrary person. Timothy became an apostle himself. Timothy at one point pastored the church at Ephesus. Timothy at one point also pastored the church in Corinth. He was a stalwart in the kingdom of God. And what is interesting here is we pick up the principle of relational assets. What are relational assets? Can you put your relational assets onto a balance sheet? What do I mean by relational assets? I'm talking about your relationships with people, the relationships that you benefit from. As we go into 2018, we cannot do it on our own. Amen? Some of you have come from backgrounds where you're very independent and you think being independent is being mature. Life doesn't work that way. We start off from a place where we are dependent, we're dependent on mom, mom please I need to go to the toilet, mom change my clothes, mom I need some milk, where we are dependent, when a child is is a teenager very often what do they say to their parents, mom I'm 18 I can do this on my own, they assert their independence but when we look at it we're like that's not really maturity. Maturity is interdependence and interdependence is where we come to a place of recognizing that you know what? I need you and you need me Can you help me with this and here's how I can help you? Amen. And we see that Paul walked in relationship with certain people your success This year is largely going to be determined by the relationships that you have for some of you Maybe you need to change your friends I'm going to say it again. For some of you, maybe you need to change your friends. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. It's been found that people become like like the people who they spend most of their time with. Who do you spend most of your time with? I was speaking to someone who's no longer living in this city. I phoned them or they phoned me. We were catching up and I said, so how are you doing spiritually? think they're fine, they're going to a great church where they are. And I said, and what about your friends? Have you got good friends? And they said, nah, they're not really that great, but at least they're showing me around the city. Now that's a danger point, isn't it? All right? So it's important to have the right people around you. One guy in this church prayed a prayer a couple of years ago. He had been through stuff. He apologized about what he had been through. The attitude he had, the pride he had, and he said, you know what has helped me? He says, I prayed a prayer, and the prayer was, Father God, may you show me Pastor Paul after the Spirit. And ever since that happened, everything changed in his life. When I would pray for an impartation on him, an apostolic breakthrough anointing, impartation, things would just happen in this person's life. God is going to use them extremely powerfully. But he prayed a prayer and he says, show me Pastor Paul after the spirit. Now I'm using an example from my own life, but maybe you need to pray that prayer concerning some of the people around you because maybe God has sent certain people into your life but you're not seeing them after the Spirit, so you're not fully benefiting from the grace of God on their lives. Amen? When I was on SABC sometime last year, SABC 2, I think it was, on that morning live show, I was told by my publicists that, you know what, when you are here, when you're now on national TV, it will open doors for you. I can guarantee, I'm telling you, people will be phoning you, wanting you to do seminars for them, and so on. I only got one contact. Only one person contacted me after that. It was the guy from the Val. It was an evangelist from the Val. And then we went across there and we did some ministry. I spoke to that guy this morning because God spoke to me and said, you know what? Don't underestimate the power of this relationship. That was the only person who contacted you Millions of people had seen you on national TV. There's only person who contacted you. But you know why? I want to use this person. He's your man of peace. I want to use this person and other doors are going to open. With the outreaches we want to do this year, the mini crusades and so on, he's an evangelist. I spoke to him on the phone this morning and I said, you know what, this is what God has been speaking to me. He says, it's such a privilege, such an honor. I'll do whatever I need to do, whatever's in in my power to do, I'll do it. He got so excited. I began to say to him, you know what, I want to come through to the vowel again, but I want to do a leadership thing for the leaders there. Just gather people from the different churches. I feel God is saying I need to work with the volunteers and leaders to strengthen the church. The Lord was telling me that in the vow, the church had been weakened. Volunteers and churches had been weakened, that I need to go back there. He says, it's amazing you say this five minutes ago one of our youth leaders came to me and said can we have pastor paul come back please i told this guy that you know what i can't promise anything i can't promise anything now here you are phoning me and saying you want to come amen i'm talking about strategic relationships he then says to me we've just finished a conference in the east rand and then he mentioned the name of a very well-known bishop who's literally transformed the government brought in governance in zambia he says you know what I've just been talking, I was talking to that bishop about you. This bishop wants to meet you. Okay? This bishop is saying, I want to meet Paul this year. Are you seeing the people around you after the spirit? Or are you just seeing them as ah, it's just it's just Lysias? Ah, just Sally Ann. Ah, no, no, it's just Taffy. How are you seeing people? If you study the scriptures, you will see how Paul speaks of his team. You'll see that there are places where he says, I wanted to go ahead to such and such a place, to Troas, but I didn't end up going because I had unrest in my spirit. My spirit was not at rest because my brother Titus was not there with me. He didn't do it because he wasn't going to be in team ministry. I want to encourage you this morning. This is a year of team ministry. Whatever area you're building, whatever ministry you're building, ask yourself, who am I doing it with? Ask yourself, what is the quality of the relationships I have with people around me? There's power in agreement. Amen? Amen. Some of you have been lone rangers for too long. There's power in agreement. There's some people who will text me a message and say, please pray for me, Pastor. Please agree with me. I'm going into an interview right now. There's power in that agreement. Some of you do it by yourselves and you try and you try and you try and things don't happen. Amen. Amen. I was talking to Lysias. Can I mention Lysias? I was, I was with Lysias and Spongile the other day. We had a powerful time. Lord showed me the things I needed to break off. The things they were believing God for in terms of their jobs and in terms of their destiny and in terms of doors opening into business, into consulting. I get a WhatsApp from Lysias update and he says, the day after you prayed for us, the day after we had that session with you, this is what's opened up international stuff that's opened up for me in terms of consulting. I'm just going to say that high level. I'm not going to go into the details. Amen? Amen. There's power in agreement. Who can you agree with this year? Who can you agree with this year? This year God has given you people and is opening your eyes to see the people he has given to you amen is opening your eyes to see the people one of the things i've learned and i'm going to say this one of the things i've learned is i need to be more possessive over people amen lord spoke to me about that beginning of the year because we've got lots of people who come to church but they just as quick as they came they also go quickly and the lord says some of those people weren't supposed to have gone Some of those people, Paul, you need to be possessive over as a father. He showed me. Amen? Amen. Are there friendships that you've had in the past that took you to another level, but you've since neglected those people? Who are you going to build with this year? Who are you going to pursue this year? How are you going to contribute to your relationships this year? Number three, walk as God's holy people. Walk as God's holy people. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1b, it says, To the church of God in Corinth, together with all his holy people throughout Achaia. Not Arcadia, Achaia. <laughs> right? Together with all his clever people. No. Together with all his high-status people. No, together with all God's holy people. My question to you is, what is the primary description over your life? When people think of go Christian church people, how would they describe you? Will they say God's holy people over there? Or would they say, hey, God's good dressers over there. Hey, God's funky people over there. What is the primary way you want to be described? The primary way the Holy Spirit is described is Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Together with all God's holy people. You know what? That, that word holy, in the Greek it's the word hagios. It means set apart for God. It literally means just set apart. How many of you grew up in families where sometimes your mother would set apart certain things, certain cutlery? For special use. When you are called holy, it means you've been set apart by God for God. Amen? Amen? Remember the church is the ecclesia, those who have been called out, but you're always called out for a purpose. How I many of you know that your mother would be upset with you, wouldn't she, if she saw you using that special cutlery that is reserved for visitors and you're just playing around with it? We we're putting our net over the swimming pool the other day, and we couldn't find this thing that, you know, you know when you have to pull set those wires and things like that. And my son kept on getting different things. He gets a hammer, and you know, he gets that thing on the hammer, and he's trying to use it to pull, and at a certain point, he gets a fork. How I many of you know that forks aren't supposed to be used for covering pool nets and so on, and pulling the thing and so on, it can break. For what has God set you apart? For what has God set you apart? If you are used for something else, you will destroy yourself. If you are used for something else, you will destroy yourself because God has set you apart for a purpose. I'm not talking about legalism. I'm not talking about religious weirdness. I'm talking about understanding that I've been set apart for God. I'm I'm God's holy person. You are God's holy person, set apart. Amen? Amen. You know that scripture describes us as a peculiar people and I think some Christians need to just get comfortable with the fact that they are peculiar. You're peculiar, it's your nature to be peculiar. You know if there's something that's in your nature and you're trying not to be that thing you'll be frustrated all your life. Be comfortable with it. You are different. Be comfortable with it. When you go to those social gatherings and people are doing things you don't like, you will be uncomfortable. Don't be bothered by it. You are different. Don't be surprised when you're persecuted. You are a peculiar person. You're not of this world. Jesus in John 17, when he was praying for his disciples, he says, Father, I'm not praying that you take them out of the world, but preserve them in the world, for they're not of this world. Amen? Amen? Walk as God's holy People be comfortable with your set apartness. Amen. How do you feel? Those of you who cook, how many of you are good cooks here? Yeah, some of you should, some more people should be raising their hands. I've eaten some of your food. <laughs> okay, Ishe, I'm coming. I'm coming. All right. But here's the here's the principle. How many of you have made a meal before? And you've set it apart to say this is for my children's lunch boxes or this is for the guests that are coming tomorrow i won't tell them that i cooked it yesterday but this is the, this is for the guests that are coming tomorrow and then someone maybe there's an uncle who visits you or a cousin you know those ones who just go straight to the fridge they've got fridge rights at your house and then you see or maybe someone working at yours i don't know but you know there's sometimes when people think they've got fridge rights when they don't right And then the food is gone. You had set it apart for someone else and something else. And now it's been consumed. Some of you right now are being consumed by other things. And God is looking and he's saying, I wanted him to preserve his energy for his primary calling. I wanted him to preserve his best for his purpose. Amen? Amen. God's holy people. Number four, know what you carry for others. You understand during the course of the week you'll be praying this over your life know what you carry for others Why he says this in verse 2 He says grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ So one of the first things he says in the second verse To this group of people who he can't email the next day He says grace and peace to you You can only say that when you know that you carry grace and peace remember when Jesus sent out the disciples he says when you go to a house and you see a son of peace who's worthy of peace what should you do he says leave your peace there whose peace your peace we're stewards of his peace we're stewards of his grace they're things that God has given us what I call spiritual assets the Bible tells us that we've been blessed with every blessing in heavenly places what are spiritual blessings courage might grace power authority the gifts that god has given you and here he says grace and peace to you isn't that powerful my question to you is this year what are you carrying that's for others this year as you begin to interact with someone what is your wish for them if i look at Molapo over there what is my wish for her is the first thing on my heart grace and peace to you my sister When you look at Justin over there, grace and peace to you, my brother. What is the thing God has given you that's for other people? Are you hearing me this morning? You see, the way you position yourself when you interact with another human being determines the rest of the interaction. If the first thing I'm thinking of when I see Tanki is grace favour this year my sister, multiplication. It's very difficult for me to then carry on the conversation saying, Hey, you're horrible. Hey, you're terrible. Hey, you're bad. I can't do that. What are you carrying? What are you a steward of? What are you stewarding right now that God is saying, Release, 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 release do you wish for those around you? For Paul, it was grace and peace. Amen? I want to ask you a question. How are you contributing to your relationships this year? What's your plan? How might you contaminate your relationships this year? What's your plan to avoid that? You see, Paul said grace and peace to you. I can say that to my brother Jimmy. But if I'm not prepared in my heart and if my heart is not right, each time I interact with my brother Jimmy, I could be passing on something else. How many of you know that in church circles, a lot of things are passed on? For some people, it's envy. Amen? For Paul, it was grace and peace. For some people, it's something else. I declare over you that this year you will only pass on grace, peace, life, Hope, faith, amen? amen. With your wife or your husband, you will only pass on grace, peace, life, faith, amen. Number five, learn to receive from God first. Learn to receive from God first. See, in verse 3, he says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles. How many of you are going through troubles? He comforts us in our troubles. Why does He do that? So that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. How can I comfort you if I have not yet been comforted by God? How can I love you if I have not yet received love from God? How can I release power to you if I have not yet received power from on high? How can I rebuke you if I have not yet been rebuked by God? You pass on what you have. Amen? Many people are trying to pass on something they haven't yet first received from God. You can't. You will end up passing on something else. You end up doing what you end up passing on something else and you see what's happened in the body of Christ is people are passing on certain things but calling it something else he says with the comfort that we've received from the father we will also comfort you what are you going through right now that's not just for you it's for someone else What difficulty are you facing right now where God wants you to have a revelation of Him? He wants you to have that breakthrough of God is my provider. Why? So that you can pass on that same revelation to other people. Amen? Amen. You see, there are times when we go through God's process in one context of our lives only so that we can take revenge on the enemy in another area. If you've been abused in your life how did God reveal himself to you during that time of abuse maybe you had a revelation of God my protector God the compassionate one the father of all compassion you now take that revelation and you help others who are being abused today and the devil regrets that he brought that abuse to your life back then amen I think it's so powerful And you know what's interesting here is the thing we pass on, it's not always just things like comfort. I mentioned to you rebuke. You know what's interesting is, if you look at the Mary and Martha situation, remember Mary and Martha. Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet, listening to Jesus' teaching. What is the sister Martha doing? She's working, she's serving. And often people who feel like they're doing more than others become self-righteous, amen? Which is a worse sin than laziness. So what happens is she gets up and she says jesus please can you speak to to my sister it's a bit like sometimes i have my kids saying daddy and they start instructing me on what i should do to the other one they don't just inform me now they say daddy you know what i think i think the, the, your other son over there really needs a spank you know i think you should actually spank him because you know i think So Martha does the same thing, which is a bit presumptuous, I think, but she does the same thing. Can you see she's serving, but can you see the self-righteousness? And she says, can you just speak to her? Because I've got all these things and she's not helping. And what does Jesus say? He doesn't do what most Christians do. Most Christians do what we call placating. Sure, you know, you're right, eh, Martha. Hey, that's so true, eh, Martha. Hey, that's so true. You know, you've got a point there because she's a bit lazy here. Mm, I know it must, must feel terrible for you because you've been carrying the whole load. Okay, didn't speak like that. But he didn't say that. Often when someone comes to us, we think that the only thing we must pass on from Jesus is comfort. But what I'm saying is however Jesus has dealt with you, pass that on. Jesus rebuked her. Jesus actually says, you know what? your sister has actually chosen the better part and it will not be taken away from her. I wonder how she reacted. What am I saying? The stuff that God has given to you, it's not always mushy to pass on to others. Amen? But receive it from him first and then pass it on. You can only impart what you have. My question to you is, have you lingered long enough in his presence to experience a touch from him that you can pass on to other people have you lingered long enough in his presence seeking his face so that a part of him rubs off on you and then you pass it on amen, amen. have you learned to receive from heaven let's carry on reading point number 6 rely on god completely rely on god Completely. When this church started almost eight years ago, what was interesting is the first message I preached, 11th of April, 2010 was Absolute Dependence. That was the title. Absolute Dependence. How I many of you know that God is so desperate to take us to a place where we're absolutely dependent on Him? And God will take us through trials, He'll take us through difficulties just to get us to that place. Of depending on God. Could it be that you're facing certain things in your life and the message God wants to give you through it all is, you know what, just learn learn to let go and let God. Could it be? Because when I look at the scripture it says, verse 8, we do not want you to be uninformed brothers and sisters about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure. How many of you have experienced great pressure? We were under great pressure far beyond our ability to endure. How many of you have experienced great pressure that's way beyond your ability to endure? So that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. That is a very powerful scripture there, okay? Rely on God completely. Now, what happens with a lot of Christians is they rely on God, but just partially, amen? God will allow you to go through certain things so that you come to a place of depending on Him alone. He is so passionate about this. He's so passionate about this that He will allow you to go through difficulty where you're saying, but God, it feels like you've abandoned me. And you know why He's doing it? So that you learn to depend on Him completely. Let's just look at that again. He says, we were under great pressure. Hands up. Who's been under great pressure here? Right? I'm seeing many hands. Then he says, far beyond our ability to endure. That is hectic, isn't it? Right? But you know what he ends up saying? He says, but it happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God. So if you want the pressure, this is so important, everyone listening. If you want the pressure to lift, learn to rely on God. Because the reason he's allowing the pressure is so that you learn to rely on him. So I don't know about you, but I don't want to keep going round and round in circles. I just want to let go and let God. I just want to learn to trust him, amen? Amen. Now, Now, let's have a look at this because some of you have been rebuking demons, but it's God who allowed that process to take place and he's fashioning you, right? Are you experiencing pressure far beyond your ability to endure? Trust him trust Him. One of the main processes God takes us through is a stripping away. Stripping away from self-reliance. What I find interesting is it says that He delivered us. Now watch how many times it happens. Verse 10, He has delivered us from such a deadly peril. What did God deliver you from last year? Then it says, and He will deliver us again. Twice, right? On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. He has delivered me. He's delivered me again and he will continue to deliver me. You see, this is the lie a lot of people believe. They believe that their breakthrough was a once-off breakthrough. I'm here to announce to you that miracle you experienced last year was not a once-off miracle. He will deliver you again and he will continue to deliver you. The deal you got last year was not a once off deal. I'm announcing it over you. That deal he gave you is a sign of things to come. Amen. Amen. That's the type of breakthrough God wants us to walk in. A lot of Christians short circuit further breakthroughs because they believe that that was the once off. How big is your God? How big is your God? The consulting you've just received, Lysias, it's not a once-off. That's why when I responded to you, I said, this is a type of many more to come. Amen? Amen. Why should God suddenly change his personality? Why should God do something as a once-off to you and then suddenly be like, ah, I'm now viewing my label differently, no more. That breakthrough that you experienced last year or the year before, it can happen again even better because he always takes you from glory to glory to glory to glory to glory. That's his nature. It's the principle of kingdom increase. The kingdom of God is not shrinking. It's getting bigger. Amen? Amen. So he will keep delivering you. He'll keep giving you breakthrough. I don't know, maybe you've been bound in your life by an addiction and maybe you overcame it and now there's something else that's raising its head. Same God who freed you from the previous thing will free you from this next thing. Maybe it's a sickness or an illness. The same God that healed you of that toothache or that headache can heal you from cancer. Why not? Did God one day decide, I only deal with over-the-counter type of illnesses? Did he once say that? I know the schedule seven, schedule six stuff. That's too much for me. If he can heal you of that headache that you testified about last week, why can't he do other things? Amen? Amen. Number seven. Seven, right? Remember that prayer works. Remember that prayer works. So as we pray this week, one of the things you'll be praying about is that, is your prayer life. In verse 11, it says this, as you help us by your prayers. How many feel that you can help people by your prayers? Paul was not the super apostle who believed that he was untouchable and people's prayers wouldn't impact his life. How many of you know that the grace that you're experiencing tomorrow, the grace that you're experiencing today, very often is because someone prayed? Amen? And that person who was praying might not be visible to you. But Paul had the humility to say, you have helped us by your prayers. Some of you might be in a space where you're saying, but I don't think I can help you right now with my money, but you can help with your prayers. Some of you are called as intercessors. There's the ministry of grace and supplication on your life. And maybe, maybe that's the primary thing you'll be doing this year, just praying. And you might not get the accolades. When we acknowledge volunteers in the church, you might not be one who even comes up where we say, oh, this sister has been praying, but your reward is in heaven. Amen. I was speaking to someone who's a great teacher of the word. Right? Someone in this church. I was speaking to her and her husband uh, recently and I said, what areas do you want to be involved in this year in the church? And she said, the one thing that I want to do, she's got small kids and so on, one thing that I I want to do is to pray. No one needs to know about it, but if you can send me prayer requests, I will pray. You have helped me by your prayers. Prayer works. Now let's go a little bit deeper into this because he then says, then many will give thanks On our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many you know what I'm seeing there that's so powerful let me read it to you again and you can tell me if you're seeing the same thing then many will give thanks to God so the motive is we want to do these wonderful things why so that more people give glory to God right then he says on many people many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us now many people today talk about favor and they talk about favor like something you just walk in as an individual like oh i've tapped into the mystery of god and now there's favor in my life but paul acknowledges this he says the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many so what can we do we can pray for favor for each other Are you seeing that? And it doesn't just say, in answer to the prayers of a few. We want to get to a place in prayer where the critical mass is high. Where many people are praying for certain things. Imagine I come back to you and I say, wow. We experienced this. I'm going to be telling you a bit about what's going to be happening this this year. We experienced this in Zambia. We experienced this in uh, Uganda. We experienced this in Swaziland. I experienced God's grace and favor in answer to many of your prayers. Amen? This year, let's pray for favor. This year, let's pray for favor. Let's pray for abundance of grace to do what God Has called us to do part of team ministry is involvement in prayer part of team ministry is involvement in prayer and Paul acknowledged these things what I find amazing in this narrative is how he says then many will give thanks on our behalf he was so consumed with is God gonna get the glory for this I don't know about you But I want to do things that cause God to be glorified all the more. I want when I'm praying to say, God, please may you do this just so that you are glorified. God, please may you do that so that more people may worship you. God, please may a testimony come out of this so that that whole region of people know that it's Jesus who does these things. What's your motive? What's your motive? For a, lot of, for a lot of us at the body of Christ, we talk about God getting the glory, but we still include ourselves in terms of partial glory. Just because you get up and you say, hey Sam, so hey thanks God, depending on your accent. You know, sometimes people say God like, like we're talking about a security God. You know, hey thanks God uh, for what he's just done. Hey, it's been wonderful. Meanwhile, wow. after the testimony, you're talking about your skills and how great you are. Just because you said, Praise God in front of everyone. Doesn't mean God is really being glorified by you. We're not talking about partial glory. We're talking about him getting all the glory. Amen? Amen. Amen. Number eight. Function with a clear conscience. Everything that you do, do it from a place of integrity and a clear conscience. My question to you is, is there anything the Holy Spirit is convicting you of that you're suppressing? Is is the Holy Spirit convicting you of certain things? The Bible says the Holy Spirit comes to judge the world of sin righteousness, right? The Holy Spirit comes to convict the world of sin and righteousness, right? He convicts us of these things. Here's my question to you. Are you functioning with a clear conscience? Are there things in your life right now where you're like, "Mm, I feel uncomfortable about this, but you're just continuing? Be very careful. Be very, very careful. In verse 12, he says, Now this is our boast. Our conscience testifies that we have conducted ourselves in the world, and especially in our relations with you. How we conducted ourselves? With integrity and godly sincerity. How many of you know that there's ungodly sincerity? There's some people who are very sincere, but in an ungodly way. You know those people where they'll say something out in public, blurt it out, And some people be like, oh, that guy is so sincere, he's just being himself, eh? But it was inappropriate to say it out in front of everyone. They should have said it one on one. Amen? So we want to be people of godly sincerity. That word sincere, I've explained to you before the etymology of that word. Where does it come from? It means it's sincere without wax. Remember in ancient times when they would sell to you, in ancient Greek times when they would sell to to people um, those marble stones? Some of them would have cracks in them. And I was going to call these people something else, but con artists, what would they do? They would cover those cracks with wax and they will try and sell it to you. They are hiding the crack, right? And you wanted to know, is this stone with wax or without wax? And how would you remove the wax? You would heat up the stone. And what happens to wax? When it's heated, it starts to melt. What happens to you when there's pressure? What comes out? When the heat is on, what happens to you? That's part of your integrity. Integrity comes from an interesting word. It's the same word as integer, isn't it? A whole, like a whole number. So it's holistic. Being a person of integrity, who am I when no one is watching? Who am I when no one is watching? You can compartmentalize certain things. You can compartmentalize honesty. You can say, I am honest with my clients but dishonest with my wife. People can say that, but you can't do that with integrity. If someone is leading an organization, they can't say, we're a company of integrity. I'm a leader of integrity. Therefore, we never lie to our customers, but the guy's cheating on his wife. Integrity is the core of who you are. Integrity gives you moral authority. You can spend years building up moral authority and just one moment, boom, you lose your integrity. You lose your moral authority. Positional authority is one thing. A lot of people like that. Do you know who I am? You know those people, the moment you shake their hands, they t- they're reeling out their CV. The moment you shake their hands, yeah, I'm the senior, senior. No, 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 you called it junior. No, I'm the senior, senior, whatever it is. You know, position authority, how come my office is four by four and his is seven by six? It's not fair. Now, if you're relying on that, it's flimsy, isn't it? Because if there's restructuring in your company, then you've got a problem. I'm talking about moral authority. And what is interesting here is that Paul the apostle acknowledges this. He says, in how we related to you, we did it with integrity and godly sincerity. How much integrity is there in your marriage? Husbands, are you open with your wife? Is there transparency? Are there things you hide? Wives, are you open with your husbands? Or do you have this unwritten rule like, I won't share with her this and this and this because she'll freak out. And then that's your excuse, the guardian lie in your mind for keeping things from each other. Are you hearing me this morning? Do you have all sorts of passwords and you freak out if your spouse has a look at what's on your phone. I'm shocked by how many people are like that. No, yeah, because she was looking, she was snooping. What do you have to hide? Are you hearing me this morning? Any interaction I have with someone of the opposite sex, my wife knows about it. Any phone call, I'll say, yeah, I was talking to so-and-so about such and such thing. She knows about it. May this be a year transparency may this be a year where we pray prayers like David did search my heart oh God if there's any wicked way within me because sometimes the wickedness is not visible you understand a lot of what we're talking about this morning it's not always visible your relational assets are not always visible you have to pray Lord help me open my eyes to see person X after the spirit Lord open my eyes so that I may see what's going on underneath here is there anything That is gonna ruin me. And I'm gonna feel that sometimes it works like a time bomb, doesn't it? You know how time bombs work? Tick, 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 tick. The issue is there right now, but it will only explode when you've got lots of influence after three years. When you've got lots of influence after three years, then it explodes. Deal with it now. Amen? Amen. Number nine. Follow through on what you have resolved to do. Follow through on what you have resolved to do, amen? A lot of people come up with New Year's resolutions, but they never follow through on what they've resolved to do. You'll see next week, there'll be many more people, and some people would have come because of a New Year's resolution. But after a few months, we don't see them. Maybe some of you are here today because of a New Year's resolution. Follow through on what you have resolved to do. Paul says, look at verse 15. He says, because I was confident of this, I wanted to visit you first so that you might benefit twice. I wanted to visit you on my way to Macedonia and to come back to you from Macedonia and then to have you send me on my way to Judea. Was I fickle when I intended to do this? This will be a year where you will live beyond good intentions i'll say it again this will be a year where you will live beyond good intentions you won't be this person where your personal brand is just like ah she has good intentions but never comes through where your family feels like "Ah," he always says wonderful things but it never happens paul here says was i fickle when i intended to do this or do i make my plans in a worldly manner How does the world do it? So that in the same breath I say both yes and yes and no, no. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. This year as we go into the year, we will follow through on our commitments. We won't start off the year saying like, I'll do this and this and this. Yeah, pastor, this year in the church. Oh, I'm available. You know those people say available. I'm available. I'm, oh yes, I want to serve. And then you fade away as the year goes by. Amen? Amen. Paul was clearly a planner. What is planning? Planning is preparing the details beforehand. He was clearly a planner. He was not double-minded. He was not double-minded. Many Christians are double-minded about church involvement. So it's like, yes, I'm in, but not really in. Many Christians are double-minded when it comes to relationships. Many Christians are double minded when it comes to parental responsibilities. Many Christians are double minded when it comes to the degree of prosperity that they will walk in. Where it's like, yes, Lord, I want abundance of wealth, but hey, Lord, you know, but yeah, okay, it's okay. Let me just, you know, what do you want? What are you believing God for? Be clear about it. Amen. We were not created to live in limbo. Do not live in the land of wishing, but rather resolve to do what God has called you to do. Rely on God's promises. God's promises are yes and amen for those who believe. Great leaders have a bias toward action. So they're the kind of people who will say, God, what are you saying? Lord, how can we translate this strategy into action? And they make things happen. Amen? Finally, number 10. Walk in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Everything that we're talking about, let's do it in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. It says in verse 21, it says, He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. So the Holy Spirit, we're filled with the Holy Spirit, aren't we? But the Holy Spirit is also a seal that God is setting on us as a guarantee of things to come. Now how did seals work back in the day? A seal was a legal signature. So there would be a parcel and the parcel will be sent to you but it will have a seal from the owner of the parcel and that seal was basically affirming what was inside. The parcel. So if the cover said it's got A, B, C, D in it, that seal is saying it's definitely got A, B, C, D in it. Amen? Amen? We have the Holy Spirit. And when God gives us the Holy Spirit, He's basically saying, when we're born of the Spirit, He's basically saying, you know what? This is my child. This person belongs to me. This person is going to heaven. Are you following? All right? They're dimensions of the spirit. So it says, he anoints us, but he also fills us with his spirit and he also gives us the Holy Spirit as a seal. What does it mean when it says he anoints us? The word anoint means to smear or to rub. The anointing is basically God's power at work through you. And God always anoints you for a purpose. There's There's no anointing for just sitting down. You're anointed for a purpose. And when you do what he's anointed you to do, you feel like, oh, there's grace to do this. There's an ease. How do you determine what you're anointed to do? How do you know what you're anointed to do? Is there an ease when you're doing it? Is there a sense of like, yeah, you just do it. You just do it, and it happens. But other people struggle. Then you know there's an anointing for this. There's a grace for this. Amen? Amen? Many people are trying to do what they haven't been anointed to do. I want to encourage you this year, To fully embrace these principles, I want to encourage you as we go through the process this week to pray for more of the anointing, to pray that you embrace the relational assets in your life, to pray through all these principles, that we walk as God's holy people. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Are we ready to do this? Let's pray.